0: practical tips, tools, and resources you can implement today to bust through your own internalized prisons of worry and doubt. And now, without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box.
1: Welcome everybody to this episode of the No Labels, No Limits podcast, a podcast all about helping action takers and decision makers like you align their purpose to their principles, and achieve their goals in business and in life. Hi, I'm Sarah from Sarah Box Coaching and Consulting. I am a former executive director, best selling author of the Changemaker Ripple Effect, and founder of the Intentional Nonprofit Leaders Community. And I'm here to tell you that the life you want is possible with the right support, mindset, and strategy, especially when that strategy includes attending to our own health and well being as a foundation which is something both of our guests today know quite a bit about. On today's podcast, we are joined by two guests, Chris Burris and Patrick Juanis. Chris is a research engineer and scientist whose primary mission is to help people live longer, healthier, and pain-free lives. Chris has a diverse background in the field of inventions and manufacturing, and there's, it is actually very diverse. I'm going to give you the high level. He has a BS in mechanical engineering from the University of Houston. He is a co-inventor of multiple patents and co-owner of a company that now manufactures a unique product containing a Nobel Prize winning molecule that has been shown to extend the lifespan of test subjects by 90%. That's a, that's a mouthful. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Patrick Juanes, PhD. Patrick is a world renowned expert on behavioral therapy, specializing in the areas of interpersonal relationships, trauma, and human motivation. His insights have been featured on global news outlets such as the BBC, MSNBC, Fox News, and CNN. And much of his work has focused on examining the role of the mind, body, and physiology on behavior and psychological functioning. You guys are killing me with all these multi-syllable words. Anyway, fun fact about Patrick is he is the first person to do a clinical hypnotherapy on US national television and he has developed multiple online psychological and behavioral assessments. He is the creator of SRTT therapy, subconscious rapid transformation technique, and he's teaching that therapy to other practitioners. So in this episode, you're going to learn from Chris and Patrick about the fascinating story behind the discovery of a molecule called buckyball. It has a technical name, but we're just going to call it that. It's a Nobel Prize winning molecule that supports the immune system. What happens when our rest and digest processes are disrupted from increased levels of stress hormones and various intense emotions facing, face it, so many of us today, And what happens when subconscious beliefs or pain come into conflict with conscious desires and goals? And here's one I'm really interested in, how capable bravery can lead us to freedom and being authentic, really authentic. And then we'll get down to the tactical, which all of you love to know, and that is about the actionable processes and tools that can support all of us through our current health crisis and beyond. So now, let's welcome our guests, Chris Burris and Patrick Wanus. Hi, Chris and Patrick.
2: Hello, Uh, Sarah. Thanks for having us.
1: It's fun to have you on the show. And (laughs) what folks don't know is we've been gabbing before we actually started the recording. And you guys are going to love Chris and Patrick. They're just really interesting men, and they have a lot to share. (laughs) Uh, And I've been looking forward to learning more about your work. over the past few months, I have seen and experienced the impact of the pandemic. You know, all the things you guys have been talking about, worry, stress, uncertainty, both in my own life, but also in those of my clients and our listeners. So before we get started to learn all of that, I am wondering if each of you could share one thing that you do daily that helps keep you grounded and focused on your personal goals and well-being. Go, Patrick. Patrick.
3: So I'd like to mention too, because I do yoga on a daily basis and I actually go down to the beach and I do it on my own five to seven days a week, sometimes seven days. And I do it for two to two and a half hours. Uh, Yoga is not a fitness sport. It's a meditative practice and it's about deep breathing as well as opening up your body in many different ways and calming the mind and reconnecting with yourself so that you're very good at focusing. And so you slow down your thoughts, you engage more of your parasympathetic nervous system than your sympathetic nervous system. And the second thing that I do is look for ways to help people and make a difference. Just today, I had two new clients who had extraordinary sessions. I'd like to say all of my clients have extraordinary sessions. When it's two new clients and it's their very first session and they're saying to you, I've never experienced this, I've never experienced such great relief, I've never felt this positive way, that gives me more than grounding. It gives me meaning and a sense of fulfillment. So I think that's the best way to get through any challenge or crisis. And you can think about that movie which was in Italian and I think it was called My Beautiful Life or It's a Beautiful Life. And you think about the father and what did the father do during the Holocaust and the concentration camp? He forgot all about his pain because his entire focus was on hiding his child from the Nazis and constantly keeping up this game for his child so his child would never experience any pain or suffering. So when you place your emphasis on helping someone else, you forget about your own pain. And when you know that you're actually making a difference, it gives you an extraordinary sense of meaning, fulfillment, significance, inspiration, and hope, and optimism.
1: Chris, what about you?
2: Well, I I figure uh, a one-word answer would probably be good after that. I exercise. (laughs) No. (laughs) That is two words. Okay,
1: but you can go a little bit more, like frequency, (laughs) intensity, how often.
2: Well, well. Um, one of the things I, I just want to share is, I, you know, Patrick and I have known each other as friends. We've worked together on different projects. And I love how humble Patrick is, because he, he literally he'll share uh, the results, obviously, never any details, but the results of, of sessions that he does. And he always feels surprised at the great results that that his his clients are sharing with him. And he shares it to me. And I'm just I'm no longer surprised like I've done sessions with him. he delivers so much value in these sessions and I and i I think what it is is it's a wonder of and a joy in being able to help people so profoundly um, that 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 keeps it very kind of humble and very surprising right because to have profound impact on other people's lives um, is probably surprising each and every time it happens. so uh, I just wanted to share that. I I can say for me, like if you, if you think about returns, Patrick and I are certainly in line with delivering value to people. I think the one kind of ritual uh, I I have affirmations that I do and, and sometimes I'm not as diligent about the entire length of my affirmations, but I do have little tricks. Like when I'm putting on my rings, there's a specific affirmation that i say. And that affirmation is the only opinion that matters is my opinion of myself. And, And I, that's a very kind of conscious and now almost subconscious thing that I do. Uh, I do do exercise. I, I, you know, I'm not going into gyms right now because of COVID, uh, but I'm doing just some consistent daily exercise, which is really just 50 pushups, 50 sit-ups. I do that every morning before I even get in the shower. And, um, and, and those, those are the rituals that I I would say are kind of, you know, with uh, uh, there's no opportunity to change those. I like to do those each and every day.
1: So let me ask you a question. Um, when you talked about Patrick sharing about his sessions, you know, and even whether he's surprised by it or not, do you get like a secondary um kind of benefit from that, like of hearing good news?
2: Oh, I I I certainly love it. Um I mean Patrick and I are are constantly working together, trying to often figure out how we can work closer together as as potentially business partners or whatever. And it is actually one of my goals to help him get his SRTT training. So I've got a lot of marketing background, and that is one of my goals. I've got to get things settled and get things in the right place. But that is one of my goals. So yeah, anytime, really anytime that I hear him share, oh, they got this much value out of it, it just motivates me even more to like, okay, let me speed things up get things where I want them to be, and then kind of dive into sharing uh, that subconscious rapid transformation technique. And really, it's it's geared towards people who do coaching. It's geared towards people who do therapy, um, let's, letting them take it up to a significant notch higher. I believe wholeheartedly that coaching, the first thing you do, Patrick talks about the law of deservedness. Which is uh, and Patrick can jump into this, but it, but it's it's kind of your set point. Darren Hardy uh, talks about your set point law of deservedness and set point have a lot of parallels and and if you you are at your set point, like everybody is currently at their set point typically uh, and when you go to a coach, the first thing the coach does is take you past your set point. Well, that's an inherent internal subconscious struggle so to be able to help people at that subconscious level there's a lot of tools that you can give and further education can change your mindset about who you are and that will adjust your set point and being able to uh, execute srtt uh, with clients is is something that i think is is going to have a profound impact on coaches and therapists and uh and and anybody who likes to help people
1: so patrick i'm actually asked i i <laughs> I am going to, I get my brain gets going really fast and I go, okay, there's three or four questions I want to ask. I'm thinking, just slow down, girl. I am going to ask you to talk more about the training. Um, But I did want to ask a question about how the two of you even got to know each other and started working together. Because from reading your background, you're very, you're not like so different. I mean, you've got that inquisitive mind and that learning piece, but you don't even live in proximity. So I'm curious how you came to work together.
3: Well, many years ago, we met at a social event. And as a result, I got to, I actually met some people at a social event who happened to be friends of Chris. And then we all stayed in touch and became better friends. And then Chris uh, learned about the work that I was doing. And I think he's always had the same, or well, he does have the same intention, which is to actually help people and to make a difference. And in the early days, when I would share with him some techniques, he would sit down with people that he met, and he would start, you know, at a, at a, coffee at a luncheon and start applying some of those techniques and come back and talk about the success that he had using those techniques. And I'd say, oh, this is great. Next time, add this or do this. So if you are working with people who are in alignment with your core values, you'll have greater success working together. I've also done various training programs and workshops for some of his employees at various, you know, at various, at various companies of his, and I've also traveled a lot to Houston because I've worked with Shell um, and also worked with Orange Theory Fitness executives. So, again, it's simply about, you know, aligning yourself with people whose core values and mission are in alignment or complement your core values and mission.
1: So that's interesting, having just come off of a group call yesterday with a group who espoused they were aligned, Right. Most of them are, but some of them, like they say they're aligned, but the behavior belies that um, and the group can feel it. So I'm curious when you're like working with folks, how do you ascertain alignment without basically asking, do you agree about these things? Are we aligned? Here's my values. What are your values? How do you do that? So folks know that they're with people who are basically in alignment with them.
3: Well, when I teach workshops, for and I, I mentioned and I listed some of the companies, I teach them that the most important thing is that the leader has to actually state the values of the company and clarify those values, qualify those values, make them actionable, measurable, easily identifiable. Then you will know if people are in alignment with you. So in a, in a company setting, I think it's very, very easy. If you're talking about personal relationships, I think it has to start with conversations. I do say to people when I meet them um, very quickly, and it could even be an Uber driver. I say, "What is your passion?" And I have to sometimes, if it's you know, I have to be careful with a lady and say, "I'm not talking about anything sexual." What excites you in life? What are the things that you're really passionate about? Now you start to get an idea of what's important to that person, which leads to their values, because values. standards, principles, and things that are really important to you. And if you live your life in alignment with those values, you'll always, things will come to you easier. There'll still be struggles, but you'll enjoy and you'll feel a greater sense of satisfaction and fulfillment. So yes, ask people what's important to you. And you can also tell by looking at someone. You walk into someone's office and if they have pictures of their family, you know immediately that that person's family is one of their values. If someone has on their wall lots of awards and trophies, you know that their value is achievement. So just either be very observant or even better, just ask questions. What's wrong with asking someone, hey, you know, I've been thinking about what's important to me since the pandemic and I've realized the most important thing is my family or my relationships or my wife or my mother's health or my grandmother's health. And some people's values shift. But if you, I don't think there's anything wrong with asking those questions. Why can't you ask those questions? I actually do. Go ahead. Sorry. I do in, in workshops that I do specifically around authenticity, vulnerability, and trust, I do present them with exercises to identify their core values. They do the exercise before they come to the workshop. And at the workshop, they've got five. They've now broken down their list of core values down to five. And then in the workshop through some couple more exercises, I get them to say, identify your number one core value. Then I get them to partner up and I say, right, let's talk about it. Um, Your partner A, your partner B, you've got two minutes to discuss. Just A will say, here's my value and here's why it's important to me and here's the way I live it. And I I think if more people before they got married or entered into partnerships actually got clear about their values, there'd be less arguments.
1: I would agree with that. Um so it's interesting you brought up the values and alignment and that we're still going to have um challenges in life but but you also brought up the pandemic and I'm curious here when we think about and it can either tie to living in our values or just in general both of you in the work you're doing what are the effects that you're seeing specifically because of the heightened stress and um what everybody's going through right now with the uncertainty and the pandemic and changing issues throughout our country and beyond well briefly
3: i can speak about my clients and specifically there's more relationship uh issues or challenges or arguments uh for two reasons one is what what i refer to as forced togetherness that means that husband and wife are forced to spend so much more time together the second is the result of parenting um one client said to me i don't know how to do this i'm not trained to educate my children I'm not accustomed to being my children for the whole time. Uh, The third is uncovering the truth about each other. Jada Pinkett Smith talked about Will Smith and she basically said, because of the pandemic, we had to get to know each other again. She basically was saying, I didn't know who he is. So they were arguing a lot, obviously. Um, And then the other thing is, I guess, relationship breakups because of the arguments and because... Once people spend more time together, you'll find out who the other person really is and what their values are, because they can't escape through work or through children.
2: Chris, what about you? Well, I think um, really the story I'd like to share is, is related to how we even ended up here. You know, there's one day I'm on the way home, I, I'm on the phone talking with Patrick, and and I shared with him, and I was really, I was kind of surprised as I was sharing with him because it's not my typical modus operandi to be tired. And I was like, "Patrick, I'm just tired." And he kind of laughs and was like, "Chris, you do realize, like, like everybody is tired. Like everybody during this COVID is under stress, and everybody's getting less sleep." And and it was really in that moment that we kind of collaborated and said, "Well, what could we do? How could we deliver value to people?" And so that they can you know help to manage the stress that we're we're in and and also get more sleep if we can just get more sleep that's going to put us in a much better place to be able to handle the emotions and and so Patrick put together the audiobook neutralize the seven emotions that are holding you hostage right now uh, and then in a wonderful guided meditation overcome fear and anxiety uh, and enjoy peace of mind and and really that's kind of what brought us to, to, to you now. So I would say that sleep is one of the m- most damaging things because you need the sleep in order to be able to better handle all of the crazy emotions that we're having. Like I don't, you can't just stop the emotions. Patrick will talk about what you can do as you accept the emotions and then what can you do with them. Uh, but if you can just get more sleep, you're actually going to do a better job handling those emotions.
1: Now, is there a difference between the number of hours you sleep and the quality of your sleep? You like, need if I both. Eight hours. Or are you going to say was it a good eight? You know, you, you need, need both.
2: Well, you and need I both. I can I can speak to like here's the perfect example for what you just asked, Sarah. This is so this is great. So. I think we're all familiar with the quote-unquote sleep aid industry, right? So we've got Ambien. There's an amazing book out there called Why We Sleep. Uh, it's by Dr. Michael Walker. Uh, he, he, he he was actually at Harvard Medical School doing some of his work, sleep, sleep work. And he talks about how these prescription sleep aids, they actually knock you out. They're sedatives and they knock you unconscious. And they do actually relieve, there's a chemical in our bodies called adenosine. And that chemical uh, causes us, as it builds up in our body, causes us to desire sleep. So a drug like Ambien will knock us out. It will actually relieve the chemical pressure of adenosine to cause us to desire sleep. So we wake up without the desire for sleep, but it actually knocks us unconscious and doesn't allow us to get our REM sleep uh, and in REM sleep. Uh, We're all familiar with REM and, and in REM is another sleep there where you're getting all your restorative and healing sleep. So... The quality of sleep is absolutely important because you can take one of these prescription sleep aids and, quote unquote, get your sleep. But if you're not getting the restorative sleep you need, you're you're, going to continue to decline in health.
1: And Patrick, you were going to say something with that as well.
3: Well, Chris has brought up a great point because the amount of sleep, according to Dr. Matthew Walker, who spent decades doing the research, it's seven to nine hours sleep. And yes, the quality of sleep is extremely critical because let's say you've you're, you've gotten seven to nine hours sleep, but you've had one or two hours of broken sleep. Maybe you've been in bed for ten or eleven hours. That's not the same. So if you're able to get the full range of sleep, say not eight to nine hours of sleep, and it's and and it's full rested sleep, and it's uh, according to your own circadian rhythm, then that's really important. Uh, Chris likes to give the example of what happens when we start Daylight Savings and when we end Daylight Savings.
0: Tired of feeling stuck and ending with the same result? Want to know how Sarah can help you with one-on-one or organisational coaching? Then book your free discovery call at sarahbox.com forward slash contact. Now, back to the show.
2: Yeah, a lot of people don't realise that when we lose that hour of sleep, so the hour has disappeared, heart attacks actually go up. Uh, And when we gain that hour of sleep, heart attacks actually go down. So sleep impacts your cardiovascular health and and, And and a myriad of other things.
3: Yes. In fact, what Chris is talking about, the percentages, I believe, are 21 and 24% respectively. And it's not just heart rates that go up or go down. It's also car crashes and even suicide.
1: But what's that attributed to? Is it attributed to fatigue, or is it just because it totally messes up our rhythms?
2: It's cu- it's because you're not getting the restorative sleep okay. that you need. So a couple of other examples is if you go without sleep uh, for a couple of days and take a blood glucose test, you'll actually show up as a diabetic, even though you haven't. It's just that you lack sleep. Uh, so so that that sleep is just so paramount for uh, for your overall well being.
1: Okay, thank you for that piece of information because I know someone who's been testing, they're doing really good on watching everything they eat, and they go, What is up with this? My sleep, I mean, my glucose is like high today, and I go, I don't know, would you have a bunch of carbs or what? And no, and but it was, he didn't sleep, he hadn't slept for two nights. I mean, not well, you know, the dough's in and out. Thank you very much for that tip, Chris. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's interesting.
2: let me just interject here. I, I think like as a society, there's two things. We, we understand that sleep is great for our mental, physical, and emotional well-being. And we kind of understand, hey, you absolutely need to get your sleep. In, uh, Dr. Michael Walker talks about sleep opportunity, making sure it's between seven and nine hours of sleep opportunity. And we believe that that's absolutely necessary, you know, unless there's something else to do. Right, and we're the only species on the planet that will forego sleep for no healthful benefit.
1: Kind of makes us a little crazy. Yes. <laughs> how long does it take? And, and this, and then we'll move on. But when we change the daylight savings time, how long does it take? Is it a day? Or is it just a week? How long does it take for people to kind of re-regulate their? Cycle? I think.
2: I think uh, Dr. Walker mentions that in his book. Uh, I think it's somewhere between three and seven days, Patrick. I don't know if you remember that, that number, uh, but it's not the next day. It takes a little while to recoup from that.
3: Well, I think the other point that is, is perhaps even more important is to understand that whether we're talking about daylight savings or a night when you decided to stay up all night for whatever reason, that you can never actually get that sleep back. Mm. The damage has been done. And uh, Chris often talks about how this book by Matthew Walker is very, very scary. Mm. Because when you recognize the real impact of sleep and the real impact of not having enough sleep, hopefully you'll wake up to say, I don't just understand sleep is critical. I'm going to live by that belief that sleep is critical. To the extent that a physician who's had less than six hours sleep, has 165% increased chance of making a mistake. A lack of sleep crashes your immune system. And I could go on and on. There are so many examples of the way that lack of sleep affects your cognitive functioning. The problem is, and Chris likes to give a very good example or illustration of this, that we're not fully aware when we're sleep deprived. Mm. We don't recognize that we're not Operating at optimal performance, at optimal capacity or capability. So we might sometimes, when we've had a really bad night, say, Oh mate, I just can't think because I'm really tired. I didn't sleep well last night. So I can't think about how to write this letter, or I don't feel confident in making the presentation because I feel so tired and I just can't focus or I'm foggy or I can't concentrate. All of those things are the result of one of two things: either something in your diet or Sleep, or I guess number three, both that you're not eating well, you're not sleeping well, and therefore that's also going to affect your emotional and your cognitive functioning because it's also related to your endocrine system, which is also related, of course, to what you eat.
1: So, Chris, you know, you talked about Buckyball Molecule, and was it ESS 60S? ESS 60, yeah. Okay. So, okay. So talk a little bit about that and then keep tying us back into sleep and what the opportunities for that, you know, molecule and hopefully for what folks have coming in front of them as a improved sleep.
2: Yeah. Um, so so yeah, a little bit about my background. I started uh, my first company back in 1991. It's a carbon nanomaterial manufacturing business. I figured if I was going to open something, I should open something with a lot of really long syllable words in it. <laughs> and, and really what it was is we were uh, in, in 1985, three scientists here in Houston at Rice University discovered the third form of carbon and for those who are watching, I'm kind of holding it up, a model of it and spinning it. Uh, for those who are listening, if you imagine a soccer ball, the lines on the soccer ball represent the bonds between the carbon atoms. So you have a spherical molecule of 60 carbon atoms. And and, and again, those professors, they discovered it in '85 and actually won the Nobel Prize for the discovery in 1996. Uh, it's a short 11 years to a, a, a very quick Nobel Prize award. Basically, uh, it, the way I describe it is it performs as well or better than the current best material in almost every application. So it's better ink, better tires, uh, better solar cells, better batteries. Uh, it's a very expensive mo- molecule, so it hasn't been kind of used in ubiquity uh, yet Uh knowing that it had so many beneficial properties, one of the things that you have to do as scientists is understand how toxic the material is. How how can you safely work with this material? Uh, So a group out of the University of Paris did a study and they published the results. And it was actually a toxicity study because their assumption for various reasons was that this was gonna be a toxic molecule. In that study, they gave rats water They gave rats olive oil, and then they gave rats olive oil with ESS-60, with this molecule, nanomolecule. And instead of being toxic, those rats that got the olive oil with ESS-60, really it's the C formula, lived 90% longer than the control group. And and when you say 90% longer, I think a lot of people are like, wow, that sounds high. It is high. It's actually the single longest longevity experiment on mammals known to man. And, and potentially even more important than that, because I, I mean, obviously that's I- impressive. If if the average human lived ninety percent longer than the average human does today, they would actually the average age would uh, uh, would be about one hundred and fifty-two. Now remember, that's average, not maximum, just average. So what's also interesting in the study and very important is a typical Worcester rat lives about 32 months and has a known, and that's the rats they used in the study, of course, and has a known amount of tumors. So that amount of tumors increases each day. The mass of the tumors increases each day that they're alive. So the longer they live, the more tumor mass they have in the body. Despite the fact that our rats live 90% longer, they all died without tumors. Right, so this is a pretty. I mean, it's it's a profound result on top of an impressively profound result, and what that caused is a lot of people uh, call themselves biohackers, call themselves cutting edge people, wanted to start taking this molecule really quickly. Um, so we were selling it for research purposes only, uh, you fast forward to 2017 and there's a guy with a big YouTube following. He starts talking about all of the benefits that he's getting by taking the product on a daily basis, uh, and really kind of the industry sells out except us because we're the largest manufacturer and distributor of ESS 60 on the planet. Um, and, and really this kind of thrust me from this carbon nanomaterial scientist Into a supplement guy right now. I've got this supplement. I'm an entrepreneur. So I want to steward this opportunity. Well, as an entrepreneur and coming into 2018, I asked myself two questions. First question was a moral question. Am I comfortable selling it? I take it. My wife takes it. Everybody on my team takes it. So, yes, I'm comfortable selling it. Uh, And then the next is legal. So you've got the FDA and the FTC, and you just got to follow their guidelines, which of course we're doing. And so that turned me into a supplement guy. Now, what does this all have to do with sleep? And really, why did this kind of tie Patrick and I together on this endeavor? Uh, Our most consistent testimonial is that people take the molecule, take the product in the morning, they report mental focus and energy during the day, and then Better sleep that night. Now, when you think back when I was talking about these sleep aids, they knock you unconscious. You take them right before you go to sleep. They knock you unconscious. They don't let you get your in-rim sleep. They don't let you get your REM sleep, those restorative sleeps that you actually need. The ones that help you manage the emotions that we're talking about, though they just knock you out. Ours is, is very different. In fact, I've, I'm not aware of any other supplement on the market that you take in the morning and report better sleep that night.
1: So when you combine that with the work of the um, SRTT therapy, do you, have you done that together to see what the benefits of that are? Are they two separate processes?
2: Well, they're, they're two very separate processes, right? Um, and I'm sure Patrick will talk about the blending of the two. Really, SRTT is, is about what, um, what is holding you back and how you get past that. And Patrick will talk about that. And then this is really supplementation. So I think the reality is, from a holistic view, I personally, because I have done SRTT sessions and I do take my product, would recommend both, uh, absolutely. But it's not something like, hey, on this day, it's not a regiment that we've right. tied together.
1: I was just thinking about the impact of being able, because you've got, from what I understand, Patrick's working at a conscious and subconscious level, yes. you know, deep. And sometimes that's the stuff that keeps people from sleeping and whether they know it or not. So-,
3: right. so many of my clients actually talk about after they've had this session, how they've had a beautiful night's sleep. And it might be the first time in a long time or they've had multiple great, great nights of sleep. So yes, any time that you engage in emotional healing, you will sleep better for sure, without a doubt. So that that there is a, a, a direct correlation between your thoughts, your emotions, and your quality of sleep. That's, it doesn't mean that that's the only factor because obviously what you eat, how you exercise, how you breathe, um, what you do for meditative purposes, whether you've got meaning and fulfillment in your life, all those things also impact your sleep. The reason that Chris and I came together was how can we reach a large group of people? How can we reach as many people as possible to help them, and so you know, when I do SRTT, this is not a group therapy. This is one-on-one. So even if I was doing twenty hours a day, that. right? However, I put together a an audio book, neutralize the seven emotions that are holding you hostage right now, and in that audio book, I identify, I articulate, I describe those seven emotions, and I give you and present you with actionable steps to deal heal and resolve those emotions, not to get rid of them. And then I give you additional exercises that I refer to as transformational exercises. One being um, identifying your core values, getting really clear about what is meaningful and important to you now that the world is in chaos. Now that for many of us, if it hasn't happened, if it's happened once, some of us has happened twice, where we go into quarantine, isolation, lockdown. And every time that happens, you're then challenged to look inwards and say, what is important to me? What do I really care about? And I've said this in a video, one of my videos on YouTube. Imagine that you know that you're about, you're sitting on a porch and you're maybe in a rocking chair or maybe you're in some sort of chair and you're looking out across the field or the lake or the ocean and you recognize this is the last sunset you're going to see. What are you thinking about? What's your regret going to be? Is it going to be, oh, I wish I was more successful? Oh, I wish I bought that Ferrari. Oh, I wish I had the bigger house. No, it won't be that. I know exactly what it'll be. It'll be a regret about something you didn't do and it won't be related to work, money, career or how young or sexy or skinny you are. It'll be about your relationships and whether you loved enough and whether you told people in your life enough how much I love you and whether you forgave enough people And whether or not you resolve those grudges and you dissolve those grudges so that there could be more love expressed. So these moments give you the opportunity to say, well, at the end of my life, what will I really regret? It'll only be one thing, not loving more, not having deeper connections with people. Because when you get really sick, you don't think about the company and the possessions. You immediately think about the people that are important to you. Talk to anyone that's been diagnosed with terminal illness or cancer and told they've got X amount, X amount of time to live. What do they want to do? They want to get closer to the people in their life. So then we recognize, oh, all these distractions aren't what is ultimately important to us. It's people, it's relationships, it's meaning, it's connection, it's fulfillment. And we are neurologically hardwired for connection, for community, for belonging. And since we're talking about longevity and health, if you do some research into Sardinia, you'll also stop and ask yourself, why do the people in this island of Sardinia, why do the men live over 100 years of age? Because women always live longer than men. Why are the men living so long as well? And when you go deeper, you're also going to realize what a tight-knit community they are where they know everyone's business, but they actually help each other. The old phrase of it takes a village isn't, isn't just some catchy phrase. What it means is that when everyone comes together, and if one person can't parent in that moment, someone else is there. The tight-knit web of community and family or extended family is what gives us greater mental and emotional health. Perhaps that might be why in our Western society, where we all love to be further and further isolated and more and more independent, perhaps that's the real reason why we're so sick, as well as the junk food. So, I said to Chris, Chris, from, with my Vital C formulation with ESS 60, you can help people to sleep. You can boost their immune system. It acts as an antioxidant, an anti inflammatory, antibacterial. That's fantastic. That's an important part because life is lived in four realms mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual. So with ESS 60, we're taking care of a big chunk of the physical component. We add exercise and deep breathing into that. What about the mental, emotional, and spiritual? The spiritual is you know, living from the heart, finding greater meaning and purpose in life. And the mental and emotional is your thoughts and your feelings in your relationships. So the concept of the audiobook and the guided meditation is to deal with the mental, emotional and spiritual. There is a, a piece in the guided meditation where I get you to imagine someone in your life and then there's a blessing. May the light of love enter you, healing or filling you and healing your mind, body, and spirit. So again, if you put all these together, we're talking about a holistic approach because we're not just a machine, we're not just a thought, we're not just a body, we're not just an emotion, we are all of that, and you've got to attend to all of that. The Greeks did that when they said healthy mind, healthy body, healthy body, healthy mind. And we haven't mentioned this, but we are giving away the book for free, um, and the guided meditation without asking for any addresses, any email addresses, any names, you can, Chris will give you the link. You can go there and down, listen to the, both of the products or immediately download them to as many devices as you want.
1: I have the uh, link for that. Thank you for that, Chris. And those will be in the show notes. So anybody listening, um, if, you're, if you're watching, you can find them in the show notes. If you're listening, they'll be there when you get to something you can look at. Um, so, and that's really generous of the two of you to do that. And Welcome. we could just, because I'm very interested in both of you and your uniqueness and could keep asking questions, but we need to start wrapping this up. And I'm wondering, there's a couple of things that are unique about each of you that I think people would be surprised to know partly because of your own admission that they might be surprised to know. And I thought we could end the show with you sharing a lesson learned or some takeaway from that. And Chris, I'm wondering if you could start by talking about something you learned or benefited from being part of a um, Guinness World Record.
2: Absolutely. Before I do that, I would like to share you're going to put the URL in, in the notes and on that, they can get the download. They don't have to give any email address or anything. There's also two links. So one link is to Patrick's website, PatrickWanas.com. Go over there, sign up for his. Like You can just hear through when he's speaking the value that he delivers. He delivers that value in his weekly newsletter. Obviously that will require your email, uh, but it comes out weekly. It's actually absolutely phenomenal. And then if you happen to be interested in My Vital C, there's a link to My Vital C. I'm actually gonna make a coupon code for your audience, so if they're interested in trying it, uh, they can get $15 off and that coupon code will be NLNL, uh, so no labels, no limits, NLNL, if they use that coupon code, they'll get $15 off. Um, Thank you, I that's did, really generous. You're welcome, We again, we just really wanna deliver value Yes, I did participate in a Guinness World Record, and actually the friend of mine, Nolan Davis, who uh, kind of spearheaded that, was about to do another one before COVID lockdown happened, and I was going to help participate in that. Um, that, Just so people know, that Guinness World Record was the most TV-style interviews in a 24-hour period. I think we hit 172. The previous record was like 70 or 50, it was so, it was it was kind of small. Uh, basically, we stayed up overnight and had people come in, we were interviewing, uh, really Nolan was interviewing him, I was kind of teeing them up and then kind of debriefing after some of them. Uh, what I'll say that I learned, the biggest thing that I learned is think big, right? I think most of us when we think about, oh, getting a Guinness World Record, like what would that take, Do it, like if that's big, I don't know if I've got what it takes. And I think the, re, the reality, whether you believe it in yourself or not, is that you do have what it takes. I think anyone in earshot could say, okay, I'm going to get a Guinness World Record. I need to first like go to the website and like, what are the categories that might make sense for me? And you could do it. And, and it's, a, it's a big effort, but you can do it. And I, and I think the takeaway from it is, is think bigger and you can do it.
1: Thank you. Patrick. Will you talk to us about your um, just talk about your circle dance and how that impacted you and your work? When
3: I lived in West Africa, I was also a dancer. And when I lived in West Africa, I met uh, a gentleman who was a choreographer, and he choreographed local folkloric troops, so traditional tribal dance. And I saw and witnessed and then learned the concept of the circle. They would dance in a circle, and the idea of the circle. Because the difference between Africans and Westerners is Africans don't spectate, they participate. Mm. Everyone in the village, everyone in the tribe has to dance. They start from a young age. So they don't have this sense of, um, of shame or fear or inhibition because they're dancing to celebrate. Anyway, the point is they danced in a circle and when he was explaining the significance to me, he said, think about the circle. It's like a wedding band or a wedding ring. There's no beginning, there's no end. There's no, one that's the, there's no one that's the leader or no one that's the boss telling anyone else what to do. Well, that's what I got out of it, no boss uh, telling anyone what to do. So ever since that time, whenever I would have meetings with my teams and then with every corporation I've ever trained, I always strip the room apart and I make it into a circle. So even if I show up and it's someone else's already been training and they've got the typical boardroom set up of a U or a square or just an L or just rows like a lecture theater, I actually say, okay, everyone, and I did this in Houston for Action Coach, we had about 80 people, and they were already in their chairs, and the first thing I said was, okay, everyone, please stand up, grab your chair, put it to the side, and now we're gonna make a circle. And, and the we tables. Yeah, that's right, we had to move the tables and the chairs, yeah. and then we made a circle. The circle changes everything, because now when I teach in this room, I went in the center and I could turn around and I could keep interacting with everyone. And then I would go in and join the circle. The circle means there's no beginning. There's no end. I'm not above you. I'm not separate to you. I'm not distant to you. I'm not disconnected. I'm part of you. And so everyone feels equal. And what I've noticed in every workshop I've done, where I've done the circle, people are much more open to sharing, contributing and revealing themselves and just being more vulnerable.
1: That's powerful. Thank you. And it is. It's interesting how just even those setup things can denote distance and power and separation. Well, um,
3: because the lecture style is the worst setup you can ever have. Whether it's a college, whether it's a classroom, whether it's a workshop, lecture is I'm here talking at you. If you form the circle, it gives us the opportunity for everyone to interact. And when we all sit down in a circle where there's no beginning and no end, and then when one person is talking, everyone can see that person rather than turning around. It reminds me of the
1: concept of breaking bread together. You Mm -hmm. know, you're sharing a communal communal thing. Yeah. Gentlemen, thank you so much. This is a lot to digest, and um, I'm excited to share it with everybody. And I hope to stay connected with you because I have some ideas from follow-up. So just know, we'll probably connect. Oh, very cool. Thank
0: you.